0: God bless. Well, this week my daughter was proposed to and was engaged, so that's exciting. It's been a fun week. You know, we all were wondering, is she going to say yes? Um, And she did. Uh, He knew she was going to say yes, but, you know, parents, you always wonder. So, this morning we are continuing our series in the Beatitudes. This morning, I'm going to talk about Americans on a bus in the UK, building Legos, skiing snow summit, guardians of the galaxy (laughs) Two, ministry application forms and traffic judge at the Rancho Cucamonga courthouse. You know, these Beatitudes, as they are called, are really meant to be The characteristics of a citizen for the kingdom of heaven. We've talked about how the previous chapter leading into this talk, Jesus has been talking about the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it is near, it is right at the door, it is present. And what it is to be a child of the kingdom, this is the characteristics. One year, it was in 2005, I believe, I went to Wales with a group of young adults. There were a few high school kids, most of them were in college or college age, and we went to Wales to help a church get established there. And we would meet at these dorms, that's where we lived, because it was the summertime and the kids were on break, so we stayed at the dorms. And then we would all get on public transportation to go down into the city, into the place where we were meeting. And there was about 25 of us, and so 25 of us get onto a bus to travel about a half hour down into the city. And I remember sitting down as 25 Americans got on this bus and watching the expression of the people of Wales as they looked at us. And it was amazing. And I was so aware of how loud we were. I mean, especially some of the young ladies that we had on that trip were very loud. They were just talking, and they were really loud. And it's like I could hear them, and they were at the back of the bus. And I remember sitting by a lady, an elderly lady, she's just staring at them. And I said, they're loud, aren't they? And she said, yes. I pretended like I was Welsh, but I (laughs) And it was one of the characteristics that people have or one of the things that people think about Americans when you are in Europe. They're very loud. Well, these are the characteristics. This is what people should think about us as people who belong to the kingdom of heaven. People who carry these attitudes. And so this morning, the characteristic we are looking at is blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Now, last week, if you remember, we talked about Jesus saying, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And righteousness was really relational. It was having to deal with, with justice. Blessed are those who are dealing justly with one another. And you would think that after he had talked about justice, he would move forward into that area of justice. Like, yes, bring justice. For all those, you know, wealthy tycoons who are just putting in servitude the people and making us work for them while they get all the profits or bring to justice all those slackers who are living off the system and getting the free handouts from those who are hard working and getting, doing nothing. But that's not where he goes. He goes to blessed are the merciful. And that's not where we might want to go, especially in the religious mindset, but it is where Jesus goes. And as he moves to mercy, oftentimes it can seem like it undermines justice. Right? Justice, it requires some fortitude. It requires strong presence. And mercy seems to negate that. But Jesus is helping us to see maybe a different form of justice. Last week we ended with a scripture in Micah where it says, He has shown you, O man, what is good, what the Lord requires of you to do justly. The next one is to love mercy. And so mercy is an important thing. To take place. But instead of just saying, okay, everybody, you need to be merciful, remember, this isn't a do and get process. This is more about who we are and how we become that. And we find that all these things that he has been talking about so far actually move us towards mercy. When my kids were young and they would get Legos, you know. The first time I opened a package of Legos, I thought, this is going to be great. And I just, I, I was lost. I needed the instructions. I had to build, I don't know, some Star Wars thing. And, and Legos are pretty intense. I don't know, if you guys know this, but they have the Taj Mahal is like one of the hardest things. It's like 5,000 pieces. And it sells for like $5,000 now. So if you have a Taj Mahal Lego set in your closet somewhere, hang on to that puppy, Okay. But it's, it's all about building on top of one another. And as you put these pieces, you're able to manage them so it actually starts to develop arcs and you know uh, spheres and all kinds of amazing things. It just takes a long time. And you have to build one on top of the other. And that's really what happens with these beatitudes. With poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they actually help us to become people who show mercy. It becomes apparent that my own poverty of spirit makes me less critical of others, that my grief enables me to understand the grief in others, that my humility or meekness causes me to look past myself at others and a hunger and thirst for righteousness or justice becomes motives for doing what is right and all these beatitudes are linked together and they become an integrated part of a whole system or a whole personality and then mercy is one of the characteristics that develop from this personality they give me a way to see myself or what i am and when These other things taking place in my life, mercy falls into place. If I am humble, if I am caring about justice, if I am dealing with grief, they help me to actually be more merciful. You ever look into a mirror and not like what you see? and then think, I need to get a new mirror, (laughs) right? No, it it doesn't work that way, right? No, I I need to, you know, stop eating, (laughs) period. You know, I I need to start exercising and I need to start doing those things to become a person. You see, I'm a human being and and I've got all kinds of, of and I struggle and I'm human, incomplete, and I'm struggling to become a better person, the Beatitudes tell me that my brokenness does not disqualify me. My brokenness is where God meets me. It's where he shows up. And, And rather than Sensitize me to God's, you know, they they start to bring me into an awareness of God's gravitational pull, his character towards himself. These beatitudes start pulling me even in my struggles, even in my weaknesses into the very character of God, which is just amazing that my weaknesses could be useful in how God shapes me. And they show me that the only way to wholeness is found in Jesus and in his character. Because all these things are represented in Christ. And a person who is made whole, but who never forgets his or her brokenness, is the one who is able to be merciful. See, it's when we forget our brokenness that we start to get condemning and judging. But when we remember our brokenness, it's a lot easier to be merciful. The one who receives mercy receives also the education on being merciful. Right? When someone sh- extends mercy to you, they actually show you also how to be merciful to others. And Jesus talks about this throughout his time and all his teaching. There's one parable that he gives about a wealthy man and his servant owed him like $10,000 and, and he went to the servant and he said, you need to pay me what you owe me. And the servant fell down he says, forgive me, I don't have the means to, to pay you. I can't do this. Please have mercy. Give me some time and I'll come up with the money and I'll get it to you. And the the... Boss said, okay, you know what, I'm gonna have mercy. He took pity on him and he forgave him his debt even though it was great. And then this same man who owed the boss $10,000 went to a friend of his who owed him 10 bucks and said, hey, you owe me 10 bucks, pay me. And the guy said, I'm sorry, I can't pay you right now. Please give me time, I'll make it up to you. He said, no, that's it. You've got to go to jail until you pay me everything that you owe me. And then the big boss heard about this and he said, what's going on here? How could you do this when I forgave you so much? He said, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And it's important to realize that Jesus didn't say, blessed are those who have received mercy for they will become merciful because that doesn't always happen. Remember, this isn't something you do to get. It is a place that you rediscover who you're supposed to be. And the obvious, being merciful, is sometimes very difficult. When you show mercy, it often feels like losing, right? It feels like losing instead of winning. It feels like being robbed of justice rather than respecting our rights. It feels like losing an argument that we should have won or handling, handing over money that we have worked hard and earned for ourselves. It's true that mercy and forgiveness often leave us with a good feeling. Like, oh, it was nice to be generous. It was nice to be kind. And I always like showing mercy to other people that other Christians were not nice to, it's like, ah, oh, that's terrible of those people. They should have been nicer. And I feel like I am more Christian by showing, you know, mercy to these people. It's always easy to do, but everything changes if that person's offense is towards me. Then it's not so easy. Then I start to wonder what about justice? Where is the line? How long should I let them get away with these things? It's something that has roots to it now, to my own emotion and my own heart, these things. I cannot pray, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. When I feel darn well, they did know what they were doing. Anyone ever been there? Okay, one of you. Thank you. (laughs) Two, three. Okay, now we're getting honest. All right. It's like, they do know what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. How can I say, Father, forgive them? When it seems as they do know what they're doing. See, God is not trying to make life hard for you by asking you to be merciful. God's not trying to make things more difficult. But we naturally find a way to all the wrong places and all the wrong attitudes, the wrong evaluations, the wrong conclusions about others when we are involved. We are skewed in how we see things, and so mercy doesn't come in as quickly as this idea of justice. And so it seems that God is asking too much. He's being too difficult, but maybe the problem isn't really what God's asking. Maybe the problem is how we're thinking. How we see things when God was speaking to Moses, when Moses went to the mount to receive the commandments of God, and he asked Moses, "What would you have me do for you, my servant?" and Moses says, "I would see your glory," and his desire was to understand to see God and God says you can't the best you can do is get a revelation of who I am and that revelation that God gives of himself does not start with holiness I am the God I am holy it actually starts with compassion He says, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. This is how he starts. This is where God starts to reveal himself. Compassionate, gracious, When you think of God or you're going to describe God, how are you going to begin? And so many times it's, oh, God is holy, God is just, God is these things, but this is how God starts. He is, of course, holy. He is, of course, just. But he first wants us to know he's compassionate. He first wants us to know he's, He's gracious. Because this is what we need from God. And this is what God needs us to give to the world around us. When I was in high school a few years back, I went with some friends. We went up to Snow Summit. And my skiing is more like falling, you know, down a hill than it is skiing down a hill. I, I can start off kind of, you know, cutting back and forth, but as I start going, the cuts get smaller and smaller, and pretty soon I'm just a bullet down the hill. I was up at the top of one of the hills, one of the runs, and it was a pretty steep run. And I started off, and I was doing pretty good. I was jumping, I was making that cut, and I started picking up speed. And all of a sudden, I took a turn. And I was making that cut, and Someone slammed into me. Just boom. It actually knocked me out for a second. I was unconscious, lost one of my gloves that I never did find. It was like gone somewhere. And when I woke up, I had this excruciating pain in my left knee. And I was just like, ah. Ah, ah, I'm just screaming because my knee is in pain. I was fine when I was unconscious, apparently. But once consciousness comes in, that pain comes right with it, right? So all of a sudden I was like, ah, and then out of just reaction, I just stretch out my leg and my knee had popped out of socket and boop, went back in socket, and then everything was fine. Well, it wasn't. I was still a little dazed and a little messed up, but that explains a lot today, right? Uh, You see, mercy can seem very painful. It it can seem like you're out of socket. It can seem like things aren't right in the world. But when you actually live it out, straighten it out, things come to where they're supposed to be. Mercy brings life into alignment. And if anyone knows how painful mercy can be, God knows. Vincent Brumer, he wrote in The Model of Love that one of the basic characteristics of forgiveness is that the one who forgives is the one who suffers. That's an amen there. The person who forgives is the person who has to pay the price for reconciliation. And since it is God who forgives, it is also God who has to pay the price and has to absorb into his own suffering the consequences of the wrong that we have done to him. This is the example of Christ. This is the example of Jesus, the identification that we are to live according to. See, God knows what it is to be merciful. He knows the cost of forgiveness. He knows how much it takes to bring reconciliation, even as any of us do who are trying to move forward. It takes a humbling, eating crow, so to speak. It's like I got to just kind of suck it up and say, hey, I'm sorry things are the way they are. What can we do to make them better, even though you're the one who caused this, right? And you, you don't say that last part, right? You just believe that in your heart. You see, but mercy is not saying that and is actually wanting reconciliation and not caring about what happens to you more. At the dinner for my daughter's uh, Engagement, yeah, thank you. We were like surprising her. What do we yell, surprise? You know, no, it was congratulations. But at, at the dinner, I was talking to a couple who I had counseled years back, premarital counseling. And she told me that the advice that has stuck with them, that they remember, was when you're having a disagreement and an argument, what you say can either be helpful Or hurtful, or just stupid, which sounds like me. And you see, that's really our choice. If we're going to extend ourselves to someone, are we going to show mercy and be helpful, or are we going to extend ourselves so that it can bring justice for us but be hurtful to the relationship? What did Jesus do? He extended himself to help the relationship even though it was hurtful to him. Mercy is a willingness to feel empathy, to let in another person's pain, their sadness, their confusion, their despair, their fear, their misery. It's looking past the circumstances that affect you and into what might be happening to them. There was a character in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, the second one. It's a great movie if you haven't seen it. Um, it was an alien character, and her name was Mantis. She had those little antennae. And what she could do is she could touch someone and she could feel what was going on with them. And... Drax, the muscle-bound character, he goes, oh, you can read people's minds. You, you know, you have tel- telepathy. And she goes, no, I, tel- telepathy is knowing what they're thinking. Empathy is knowing what they're feeling. Right? There's a huge difference, and I think a lot of times when we think of God knowing all things, we, we think along the thine, lines of God being tele, you know, having telepathy. He's able to read our minds. God knows everything, but I think it's a lot closer to God is empathetic, and he feels all things. That he doesn't deal with us without an awareness of what we are in and going through, You think of people who have been raised in homes that have been abused or kicked out of the homes or had to be left, have to be taken out of the home because of abuse. And these children that grew up with this skewed way of understanding life, having to grow up with a a disfigurement of what love is and what a, a parent or a guardian is. God does not look at them and not know what they've gone through, does not feel with those things, does not look at their life and not have mercy on their situation and deal with them just on some law that says, nope, you do this, this is what happens to you. He understands implicitly what is going on in them. And so he cares for them. And isn't that what we want him to do for us? When I am faltering. I I lose my temper. I, I don't make the right decisions. I want God to be empathetic. I want him to know my weakness. I want him to feel my pain. I want him to understand the process and why I do some of the stupid things I do. And God says he does. And now he's saying, I want you to do that also. Because that's what starts to develop actual care for other people. The merciful person is willing to feel the feelings of others. But I got to tell you, nothing easy about that. There's nothing easy about feeling the hurt of someone who's hurt you. but it does make you see things different. Gives you the ability to be more empathetic. And it shows up in kindness. It shows up in goodness. It shows up in good intentions and caring. The last line of this chapter, chapter 5, Jesus says, therefore you are to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. There, there you go. You read that and you think, oh man, this is game over. But understand the word perfect is a hard translation. I mean, it's accurate in some senses, but it really means wholeness. It means completeness. It's not like it doesn't have any fault it means it's grown up it's matured and it's whole in a parable passage in Luke's gospel it says be merciful just as your father is merciful so if we put these two scriptures side by side what they're telling us is that to be perfect is to be merciful and to be merciful is to be perfect in other words it's to be whole. The, the Greek word for perfect describes that completeness, that wholeness. You see, we've all been put out of socket because of bitterness. We all have. We all have been injured and are out of socket and are in pain. And you see, this mercy is actually what brings healing. It is popping our knee back into socket. It's putting things back right. It's in line with the character of God. And so it's in line for us as well, even though it seems so difficult and so unjust at times. It's actually leading us to where we need to be Twice in Matthew's gospel, Jesus quotes Hosea 6, verse 6. He says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. In his first instance, he tells the Pharisees, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. The second time, as the disciples are picking grain, they're not following the letter of the law. He says, you have known what these words mean i if you had known what these words mean i desire mercy not sacrifice you would not have condemned the innocent in his model prayer right that he taught his disciples to pray in this way he says forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are our debtors But as if that wasn't enough, he goes on and he says, if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your father will not forgive your transgressions. That's getting a little heavier, right? He also says, don't judge so that you will not be judged for in the way you judged, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Matthew 7, verses 11 and 12. And then James, good old James, he's not one to get a punch in, says, for judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy. James 2.13. You see, this idea of mercy and forgiveness, it's part of that attitude that we are supposed to have. It's not, if you will be merciful, then you will have mercy. It's no, blessed are you because you are merciful. Congratulations, you're at a place where you're showing mercy. God's going to show mercy. It's as if the universe is orchestrated in such a way that when you show judgment and are not merciful, it's back to you. And like that parable of the boss who forgave so much, we find ourselves being forgiven time and time and time again. And now comes our choice. What will we do with the wrongs done to us? How will we respond? I remember putting together a ministry application form for people who wanted to be involved with ministry. And I remember being so proud because of how diligent we were to fill out this application. and It had to be at least five pages long. And it was so invasive. And all the questions that we were asking, you know, and it was kind of like, well, this person can't be an usher. Well, why not? Well, they committed adultery once. Okay, no, they can't teach. Why? Because they're divorced. Or dare I say, they're a woman. There, I just said it. Right? There is all these restrictions. You can't do this because of this. You can't do this because of this. There was no mercy anywhere. And I think about that and I just, I shiver and I think, oh, God. Who was I to put this on someone and say, no, you can't because of this? Where is mercy? What has God done for me? And I am going to make judgments? When Jesus sang, if you would know, I desire mercy more than sacrifice. Why? Because mercy brings healing. Mercy brings wholeness. Mercy brings us closer to the heart of God. Mercy is able to reconcile what is broken. And that's where God starts. Is in this place of mercy. Now, when you need mercy... You look for it. There is a judge at the Rancho Cucamonga courts who is known for being lenient when it comes to traffic tickets. I forget his name. Does anyone remember? Judge Gilbert. Yes. If, if you if you go, I yeah. I God bless that judge. Um, if you go there, and I've been there sitting in the court where someone says it's like the fine is three hundred dollars for a speeding ticket. And you go there and you say, I can't pay that. And he goes, okay, $100. Uh, you're like, oh, ah, right? And it's just like this amazing thing that he lets you go for less. I remember one time there was a lady and she says he said something like it was like $300 fine. And, she, and he said $100. And she says, I can't pay $100. He said, how much can you pay? And she said, I can pay like $45. And he goes, okay. And he gave her that $45. Right How would you like to be able to pick the judge and the sentence? (laughs) Jesus is saying you can. The mercy you show is the mercy you will receive. You get to pick the judge. You get to pick the sentence. It's all on how you treat the other. Blessed are those who are merciful, for they will receive mercy. That's how it works. And that is what we want. Now, for me to put this into practice, I need a few things that I need to deal with because there is going to come the time and let's face it, usually for most of us, I know there are some circumstances that are very extreme and more difficult, but most of us, it's more attitudes that we deal with. Someone is showing some disrespect to you, copying an attitude, being you know rude to you, those kinds of things. At least most of the time with it's with me. You know, I haven't had anyone like try to kill me, and so I have gotta be merciful to them. And I hope that doesn't happen, right? But the first thing I need to do is catch myself when I start making judgments about a person. I need to stop at that point where I first get the thought and I start thinking that derogatory way towards that person. And it can happen with how they talk, it could happen with how they're dressed, it could happen with what they say. When I am ready to write someone off for whatever reason, I have to stop, catch myself, and say, mercy. And this happens a lot with me and people who are Christian. I'm very judgmental towards Christians. Someone will come up and they'll say something to me and immediately I go, okay, yeah, that's Calvinist there okay, and that person's here. Oh, I know where they go to church. And I start writing them off instead of, you know what, Sam, just, just stop. What judge do you want? What verdict do you want? I want mercy. Then you need to start here with how you think. I need to take a time, take a breath. I need to pause my thoughts and not let it just go down that road of judgment and attitude. Invert it. Try to imagine that person where they're coming from, their past. What sort of life he or she's had? What kind of abuse maybe they've suffered? What things that have led them to that place? It, it's interesting, you know. Here we are, pretty open people. You know, you're not going to hear us loud, Catholics or anybody else, right? You can go to another church if you want to get that somewhere, right? You, there's. there's plenty that will do that. But I find that the people who are anti-Catholic or anti-whatever else are the people who come from that place many times, right? I came from that church and man, they did this and they did this. And there's this bitterness that comes from them and the things that they've experienced that now starts to populate their thoughts. Instead of recognizing maybe some of the struggles you've had when you see someone, maybe they're in similar struggles. Maybe they're feeling those things. And again, it's not pointing out a certain people. It's just we have the ability to segregate ourselves in so many ways. And then what I need to do is, and this is the hard part because it is the honest part for me. I need to stop and I need to soak up all the mercy that God has given me. I need to recall all the things and I can't recall them all, but I can recall enough. And if you're having a problem remembering, just talk to your wife or husband. They'll help you to remember some of the things, right? Just some of the things that I have done that I've needed forgiveness for, some of the cruel things I have said. And I need to soak all those things in and I need to give them away. Because I have been shown mercy and now is my chance to be merciful. The more I become the person who does this automatically, the more I'm assured that God is going to continue to do that with me. If only we can convince every Christian to be merciful. Can you imagine what this world would look like? If everyone who named the name of Jesus showed mercy, our churches would be bursting out the seams because it is what we all need. It is what we all desire. And when we receive it, it is the love of God that leads us to repentance Let's allow that to flow from us. Let's pray. God, each of these statements bring with them something that we have to wrestle with, something that struggles against our ego, something that we have to see above ourselves. And this is definitely one of those things. Showing mercy, Lord, I am so quick to think of all the reasons I shouldn't and forget the big reasons of why I should. And so, Lord, help us to navigate this. Help us not to be foolish as we move forward. That being merciful does not mean being taken advantage of, it doesn't mean trusting blindly. But it does mean thinking different, wanting different for other people. And I pray, Lord, that we would be known for being a community that shows mercy. That if we err, it is on the side of mercy. That our ministry application forms won't be five pages long. They'll just ask for a name. Say, whoever you are, God's extended mercy to you. You are welcome here and like family that we can't choose, God has brought you into this family welcome. Mercy belongs to you because of Jesus. May that flow from us. May it be seen in us. May we understand what that requires of us and I pray God that each of us would determine how we will be judged and what the verdict will be by how merciful we are to those around us thank you for your grace, thank you for your mercy, thank you for your unfailing love Jesus' name, Amen. Let's stand together. May you be imitators of your Father in heaven, who is compassionate and gracious, slow forgiving wickedness for thousands and thousands. And may people see Jesus in the mercy that you extend to them. God bless you guys.